Go ahead and take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 19 this morning. Matthew chapter 19. Thought this would be an appropriate message to preach. We're in the Valentine's Day season, and you know, right now it's all about you know couples. You know, everybody's all you know. It's all about you know relationships is what, and they make a big deal about that. But you know, sadly, um, there's a lot of perversion about what a couple really is today. And some of the stuff I'm going to talk about, I shouldn't even have to preach about this stuff. But unfortunately, we live in America and it's 2017. And I've got to cover some of this stuff. I've got to talk about these things. The other day, my kids were watching a kids movie the other day. And it was it was about storks or something and bringing babies. And at the end, there was like all these people getting their, you know, having their babies and it's showing all these different couples. And one of the couples that it showed was two women. And it just, oh, I... I I got angry. I got what in the world? What have I brought into my house? And you know, you you think this stuff's going to be innocent? You know, it's a cartoon. But boy, this is our world today. That's perceived as normal, and people think this stuff is normal. And I don't think you all think this way. But you know, I want to show in the Bible, you know, what a couple really is, and we're not just going to talk about, you know, it's Sunday morning. I'll, I'll be biblical, you know the sodomites and stuff. You know, I, there's meaner names I'd like to call them. I won't do that today, but that's not what all we're going to talk about. But we're going to show what the Bible teaches. But Matthew chapter 19 verse 1 says, "And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan, and great multitudes followed him and healed them there. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause?" And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. Right there is where I get the title of my message today. They are no more twain. In other words, that means two. They are not two. They are one. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. They say unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? And he saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her that is put away, doth commit adultery." His disciples say unto him, If the case of the man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. But he said unto them, All men cannot receive this saying, save they to whom it is given. For there are some eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb, and there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men. And there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. And so right here, it's very clear from the Scriptures is that men in the Old Testament especially, and even Jesus' disciples, they had a very distorted view of what it, you know when it came to relationships between a husband and his wife. All right, ladies, how, have you, how many of you ever been reading the Bible before, especially in the Old Testament, and thought, "Boy, the women sure had it rough back then." Okay, I mean, my wife she compla- she com- she complains about that all the time. You know, the women they had it tough back then, back in the Old Testament. I mean, they were mean to them. You remember? I mean, even daughters. Okay. I mean, I love my daughters. 
I, I, I mean, like I can't describe. I adore my daughters. But you, in the Old Testament, they didn't even seem to really care that much about their daughters. You remember Lot when the men of Sodom came, and here he's got these two, their angels that appear to be men, and these perverts are wanting to come and have their way with these men. And Lot says, no, these guys came under my roof. I'm responsible for them. Here, take my daughters. I'm sorry, but if it's a choice between two men and my daughters, it's going to be the two men. <laughs> and, you know, and let me tell you something. I mean, I'm, I'm scared to death of giving my daughters away, even to you know, another man someday who wants to marry them. I'm scared of that. That guy's going to have to really impress me if he's going to get my blessing because I adore my girls. I love, I love my wife, but we don't see that type of thing in the Old Testament, do we? I mean, we see guys marrying multiple women all the time. I mean, we see them putting them away like crazy. We see some pretty bad treatment of the wives. Even Abraham, who I would say is probably the best example of somebody who seemed to adore and love his wife, but even him, when they went into Egypt, I believe it was, and he looks at all the other women that are there, and he's like, wow, I've got a beautiful wife. How many has ever done that before? You've seen some other women, and it made you really thankful for your wife. Okay, And Abraham did that. He's like, man, my wife is beautiful. And so what did he do? He said, you need to tell everybody that you're my sister. Because if they know we're married, they're going to try to kill me to get to you. And so she did. And then what happened? You know, they take Sarah and she ends up going into this man's harem and it saved Abraham's life. But I'm sorry, you're going to have to kill me before you get to my wife. But Abraham, it's like he wasn't even willing to sacrifice himself for his wife. And thankfully, the Lord intervened in that story. But let me tell you something. I mean, the Old Testament men clearly missed something. And people will try to say, no, that, you know, God intended it that way. No, no, he didn't. Because here, even in the New Testament, you know, the Pharisees come and they're trying to tempt Jesus and they're asking about divorce, if it's okay to divorce for every cause, because there was a bill of divorcement that Moses had given. It was legal, but at the same time, it's like they knew there's something wrong with this. And so it's like either way, Jesus is going to lose in this situation, but He tells them, hey, it is not good to put your wife away. What God has joined together, let not man put asunder. And then what did the disciples say? If we can't divorce our wives, then it's good not to marry. Now, why are they saying that? They're saying that because you know they knew that adultery was a bad thing. They understood that, but they thought a divorce made it so they were not committing adultery. Because Jesus is saying, if you marry somebody who has been put away, or if you put away your wife and you marry someone else, you're committing adultery. And the disciples are like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, we know adultery is bad, but we thought divorce made it where we weren't committing adultery. Well, if that's the case, we might as well just not get married. Well, what a terrible attitude that is. I mean, what must their relationships have been like? You know, I mean, it must not have been very good. And Jesus, he tried to show them, hey, from the beginning, God made male and female. He made Adam and Eve, one man and one woman. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And it's clear they missed some things. And in the New Testament, 
We see teaching about loving your wife, about husbands loving your wife as Christ loved the church. We see uh, teaching about you know staying with your wife, being committed to your wife. Paul taught some of those things, and thankfully, the in the you know our Christian culture today, there does seem to be better relationships between men and women compared to what it was back then. And thankfully, amongst Christians, uh, there's not you know been polygamy ever really practiced. And no, the Mormons don't count as Christians. Okay, they uh, but amongst Christianity, they've never done that. It's always been a one man, one woman thing. And in most uh, you know denominations, they frown on divorce because they understand you know the the union of a man and woman that it's a sacred thing, it's an important thing. But back then, women they they weren't much more than property to men. Their wives and their daughters. I don't get that, but you know what? I'm I'm glad it's not that way anymore. I'm glad it's not that way. And you know, Jesus, He explained in here that a person is not sinning by getting married. We see in verse 12, He mentions the eunuchs. Okay, You might remember in Daniel, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were eunuchs. They were made eunuchs. Alright? They would many times, uh, they would take men and they would do terrible, terrible things to them. But that way, they wouldn't have to worry about them messing with their wives and things like that. And uh, some people... You know, it, it was it was a terrible thing they did back then. But there are some people too that were born that way, where they just they were not able to have children, or maybe you know they had some deformity or whatever, and just were not capable of having that physical relationship. And Jesus is trying to teach here: it's not a sin not to get married. It's not a sin to remain single. Nothing wrong with it. Not everybody can handle that. Not everybody can do that. But at the same time, it's not a sin. Paul taught that also. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. See, it's kind of in our culture today that if you don't have somebody, there's something wrong with you. If you don't have a boyfriend or girlfriend, when I was, you know, I was taught you shouldn't start a relationship until you're ready to get married. And so as a teenager, I never had a girlfriend. I remember when I got my first job, 16 years old, I didn't have a girlfriend. And I remember guys were always, do you have a girlfriend? No. And they'd be like, are you gay? And of course, you know, that was very insulting. But I'm like, uh, no. But that, that's how I got it. You know how many times I got asked that? And let me tell you, I like to think, you know, that I'm the alpha male, macho, manly type. That nobody would ever think that. But I got asked that all the time when I was younger just because of the fact I didn't have a girlfriend. And that's how people think today. You know, if you don't have somebody, you know, you must you must be that way. No, that's not the case. Sometimes, you know, in the case of a 16 and 17 year old, I just didn't need a girlfriend yet. All right, but at the same time, people they feel so pressured into going into relationships that they are entering into things that are not real relationships. That are not they are not real couples. And it results in a lot of problems. But it's not a sin to be unmarried. In fact, it can be a good thing in many cases. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 6 says, But I speak this by permission and not of commandment, for I would that all men were even as I myself. Paul was not married. Paul remained unmarried. And he thought it was a good thing. He's like, I wish everybody could do this. He said, But every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this man or another after that. I say therefore to the unmarried and widows... It is good for them if they abide even as I. But if they cannot contain, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn. Okay, if you're if you're a widow, if you want to remain unmarried, Paul's saying it's a good thing. 
you know, you're gonna be you're gonna have more time to serve the Lord. You don't have a husband you gotta worry about pleasing. Or if you're a man, you don't have a wife you gotta worry about pleasing. But if you've just gotta have somebody, go ahead. It's better to marry than to burn, he says. You're not sinning if you if you get remarried in that case. And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. If you are married, do not seek to be unmarried. Do not try to leave your husband. You you stay together. Uh, you know, but the, uh, but and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. Even if you're married to somebody that's lost, you ought to stay married. And so Paul's teaching here that basically, if you're single, it can be a good thing. You're able to serve the Lord better. I mentioned this last night that when my, you know, every once in a while my family they'll all go away, they'll go visit my wife's friend or something, and uh, they usually do that every year for about a week. And when my family's gone, I get a lot done during that week. But after that week, I want them back. All right, I could I could get a lot more work done if I didn't have family. But I am one of those people. I need a family. I, I need a wife. I, I've got I've got to have that. I was not made to remain single. If that's you, that's wonderful. You have a great opportunity to serve the Lord. And Paul taught Paul was teaching that here. You know, it's it's a good thing. And people, our society today, you know, just it's if you don't have somebody, especially around Valentine's Day, there's something wrong with you. And it's like people feel like they gotta be forced into some kind of relationship. You know, in the very unique case, all right, where you know it talks about the eunuchs. Okay, there are some people that maybe just aren't interested in the opposite sex. Well, what does society say? Then you're gay. And and but you know, there's some people that just aren't interested. And a lot of times these people they all get pushed into the homosexual lifestyle and that's sad and it's a, it's heartbreaking when that happens. That shouldn't happen, but part of it is just our thinking in our culture today. And many times, young people they're rushing into relationships too early because you know some you know if you're if you're a normal red-blooded 16, 17 year old guy and everybody's thinking you're gay because you don't have a girlfriend, well the first thing you're going to want to do is go get a girlfriend just to prove to everybody you're not. But when you're that age, you don't need to be in a relationship yet. And see, the couples of today are not good. The couples of today are not working even. Men and wife, you know, divorce is going like crazy. You got breakups all the time, and I believe it's because of a perversion of what a couple is. And so, according to the Bible, I shouldn't even have to cover this, but I'm going to because we live in 2017. A couple is a man and woman. Okay, Genesis chapter five and verse one. I want to read a few verses of scripture to you, but Genesis chapter five verse one it says, "This is the book of the generations of Adam." In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made He him. Male and female created He them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. Okay? Uh, God, God made them male and female. God blessed them. God called them Adam. He called them by the same name. You know why? He didn't. God didn't need to give them two names because they're one flesh. God sees them as one. 
They, they are one. My wife, when she married me, she took my name. She changed her last name. We still call her Cassandra. That would look, you know, get kind of confusing if we all called her by the same first name too. But in the eyes of God, she is Mrs. Tommy McMurtry. And she is my wife. She took my name. And you know, don't go getting all feminist on me and well, you know what, I think they ought to be able to keep their last name and I think you know she should be called, you know, Cassandra Cutler McMurtry, you know. No. I I don't even I don't want to even get into feminism. I probably will a few times. But no. She takes my name. It's my wife. We don't need two different last names. We're one flesh. She's talked about giving one of our boys a middle you know a, you know, a middle name of Cutler. You know, I was like, you know, because that was her last name. I, 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 no. They're not Cutlers. They're McMurtrys. You know, and we're not going to do that. And so, you know, we, we already named Jason's middle name after her dad, and that's fine. We're not the same last name. It's not that family. She married into my family. Uh, you know, it's, I, I don't I just, I don't like it. Say, so, oh, you're insecure. No. I just, I don't like feminism. And I don't want anything that even comes close to resembling it. If you do that, your family, you you name a middle name after your wife's last name, that's fine. But I didn't want to do it just because I'm stubborn. But anyway, that you know that's just me. But God God made them. He called them Adam. Why? Because they're they're one unit. Adam called her Eve. Adam called her Eve. God called them Adam. And so a couple is a man and a woman, and a couple they're two. Types of individuals capable of reproducing. Okay, look at Genesis chapter one and verse twenty-one. It says, "And God created great whales, and every living creature that moveth with the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind." And God saw that it was good. And then verse twenty-four, and God said, "Let the earth bring forth living creatures." After his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beasts of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after his kind, and the cattle after their kind, and every living thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Reproduce, reproduction. You can only reproduce after your kind. Okay. You cannot. You know. You, you know. Different kind animal kinds cannot. You know. Breed. They cannot have children. We don't have, you know, dog cats and things like that. You got different types of cats. You got the cat family. You got the dog family. You know, you got all these different kinds of families out there. And you know what? Mankind is capable of reproducing. You got people that try to say that, you know, the races are different. No. Man, if, if you're capable of reproducing, they're your kind. It doesn't matter what race they are. If they are, if you're capable of, of reproducing, that is your kind. And male and female are capable of reproducing. Okay, obviously, there's sometimes there's physical things that are wrong and somebody's not capable of doing that. Uh, you know, they're not able to. But at the same time, God made male and female to be a couple. Two men, they cannot reproduce. Two women cannot reproduce. They weren't made to do that. They weren't meant to do that. They are not a couple. Therefore, I mean, and not only is the relationship itself a sin. We got a lot of preachers today still preaching against you know gay marriage, which is fine. The relationship itself is a sin. But to call that marriage, to say that they are a couple, and which last name do they take in those cases too? How does that work? Do they all probably have to hyphenate? I don't even know. I don't want to know. 
But that is it's, it's just absolute perversion and it's not a couple. And people are being told that it is and we're being told we've got to respect that and honor that and go along with that. And let me tell you something, you know, it's, it's a sad day when even Christians are showing up at these weddings, as they call them. Oh, what, what are you going to do if, you know, if your cousin is married, you know, he's a guy and he's married a guy and he invites you to the wedding. I'm going to throw the invitation in the garbage. I'm not even going to RSVP that. Well, I might RSVP that. Let them know I'm not coming. Let them know why and show them some scripture verses. But, you know, that, it's, it's just perverted, folks. And it doesn't work. It's evil. And people today, sadly, are looking at that and they're seeing it as normal and it only brings devastation. It only brings heartache. It only brings about disease and things. We'll see some of that in the Bible. I was at McDonald's the other day and there was a bunch of teenagers in there. I mean like 12, 13, 14-year-olds. And there's this, there's this one boy in there with all these girls and you could tell he was, he was a little weird. And he fit the stereotype. And I remember one one of the girls, this another group of girls comes in, and the one saw the guy. She's like, "Hey, where's your boyfriend at?" Oh, he's coming later. I wanted to vomit right there. And you know, not only did that just gross me out, because first of all, you know, teenagers shouldn't even be couples yet, okay? And you're not a couple until you're not a couple until you've become a man and wife. But they think they are, and not only is that, but then. You got two young teenage boys that don't know anything, and and that's accepted. And kids are looking at that, and they see that as completely normal. No wonder we've got the messed up relationships like we do today. No wonder marriages aren't surviving. No wonder we've got all the drama and stuff. No wonder Jerry Springer doesn't run out of characters to come on his show with all the goofiness that's being shoved down our throats. It's just absolutely ridiculous. And we've got to just get it in our heads. We've got to, uh, these are not couples. We've got to stop treating them like they are. We've got to stop, you know, you know, acting like it's okay, it's normal. There is devastating consequences that come from these things. And a couple, they're, they're capable of reproducing. A couple are two types of people that God intended to come together, male and female. In Leviticus chapter 18 and verse 22. It says, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereto. It is confusion. Defile not ye yourselves in any of these things. For in all these things the nations are defiled, which I cast out before you. And the land is defiled. Therefore I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it. And the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. What does that mean? You know what that means? It means they had STDs and AIDS and things back in the Bible days. They just didn't know what it was called. Every nation, you know, every group, every culture that's ever been has had, you know, what we would call homosexuality and stuff in it. You know why? Because we all have the same sin nature, and if it goes unchecked, if we could, I mean, man is capable of stooping to some pretty low places, and it's happened. Everywhere where there's been wickedness, where there's been lawlessness, this type of thing has happened. What we are seeing in our society today has happened. And it always results in diseases and death. Now, they didn't know what those things were called back then, but people were dying of that stuff obviously back then. God said the land itself vomited out the inhabitants. If you allow this, 
in, in your nation, you will have these problems. You all will be dying of these diseases. And we're hearing about these things all the time. And even in our society today where we have all the knowledge of the diseases like we do, we understand how they're spread, where they come from, with all the protections and things that are out there, we, the disease is still running rampant. And you know what? It's not going to go away. It's only going to get worse. And this is another thing too. You might remember a while back I preached a message called People Are Gross. Okay? And listen, people, they are, we are just naturally gross. We have germs, okay? And amongst families, you know, you all don't think it's gross. If I went, if during fellowship, if I went and I, one of my kids are there and they're drinking a drink and I take my kids' drink and I drink it, nobody's going to think that's gross. But if I went and I took your drink and drank it, that's gross. Why? Because amongst families, you have pretty much the same germs. We can do that stuff and it's not going to really hurt anything. But other families, they've got different germs and things. And when you, the more you start mixing things up, the more nasty things are going to be produced. And you know what? When it comes to a physical relationship between a husband and a wife, you know, there's, there's germs and stuff. But you know what? We can, the human body can handle those things. It doesn't create anything too nasty. But when you start adding other people, it gets disgusting real fast. And diseases and things start happening. Some that are disgusting. Things I don't even want to talk about. Things that I just, I, you know, and, and things that we probably should warn our kids about. Some of the disgusting diseases that are out there. Why does that happen? Well, it's because our government's racist and they're not doing enough to fund, you know, AIDS and find ways to protect, you know, the LGBT community. No, there's no, there's no protecting them. That type of lifestyle is just going to produce nasty things. Man was not intended to mix like that. And I said, I don't, I'm trying to be careful. We've got kids here, but it doesn't work. And it results in devastation. It results in disease. And so we have got, we've got to warn our kids. We've got to protect them. We've got to teach them that is not normal. That is not okay. You know, and you know, I know this isn't politically correct, but you know, we, you know, I want to teach my kids the truth. And let me tell you, when we see stuff like that, when we see those people out there, you know, I, I don't tell my kids, oh, you know, let's celebrate diversity. You know, let's, you know, I won't even tell you what I say when I see that stuff. But you know what? I do tell the truth about it, and it's disgusting. And it's perverted, and I don't want them to think that's normal. I don't. I don't want them watching shows with those type of people on there. I don't want them seeing that. I don't want them getting used to it. I don't want them thinking that type of thing is normal. That is not normal. Okay, and that is a part of our society today. It's acceptable in our culture today, but it is wicked. And the and I said I don't even want to go. I don't even want to go into it anymore. I've already talked about it enough. It's turning my stomach, and I don't want to be sick. I want to eat afterwards. But you know what? Do you know why we got to the point where we're at today? Do you want to know one of the things that helped us get to where you know marriage is whatever people want it to be now? We got there because of broken covenants. Look at what it said in verse six of Matthew chapter nineteen. You know, after Jesus, you know, after they've asked this question about putting away 
the wife. It was like they were getting away with it for so long. They're like, well, you know, you can do it for any reason. But Jesus said, Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh, what therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. God joins a man and a woman together, okay? God doesn't join men and men or women and women. God joins a man and woman, and man puts them asunder. God doesn't do that. Man does that. And when man tears apart what God has joined together, it's going to create a mess. It's not going to be better. It's going to be worse. But do you understand those that that is a broken covenant. When a man and a woman get divorced, a promise is broken, and broken promises, covenants, vows, all those things, every one of those things, they make the world a worse place. I mean, I, I talk about this all the time. We all hate all the papers that we got to sign when we want to get a loan. Why do we have to do that? Because of broken promises, because of broken covenants, because of broken vows. Somebody didn't pay their bills. Somebody found a loophole to get out of their situation, and so we've got now we've got to sign another paper. It is hard these days to you know to get loans and to get you know things that you need because of dishonesty. They make you know one person doing the wrong thing. They make the world. The whole world is worst place. They make things more difficult for everybody else in the world. And you know what? You know we need to understand that. You know we should not be, you know, breaking promises. You know we've, we. It's always been taught that marriage is a sacred covenant between a man and a woman. You know, one man, one woman. Well, the homo crowd has always used the argument. Well, you know, look at all the divorce you have. You know, and that's the thing too. These couples now that are getting married, they're not staying married, and they're not going to stay married very long. You know, you're not going to see, you're not ever going to see 50 and 60 and 70 year anniversaries with those groups because one, they're not going to stay together, and two, just study the lifespan of those people. They don't live very long either. They they don't have a long lifespan because it's not a healthy life, and so you're you're never going to see that. But the thing is, we're not even seeing it enough amongst regular people. Why? Because they're not staying married. They're breaking their promises, and we you can't do that. We've got we've got to stay committed. We've got to set the example, you know. And when because and when it comes to that couples, you know, you know, here in our church, you know, and even as individuals, you know, we don't just love individuals. We love families, don't we? Okay, it's always heartbreaking whenever a marriage breaks up when you're friends with those people because you you love both of them, don't you? You know, that's how it is with all of you here. You know, we love the whole family. And when you start breaking the family apart, it, it, it hurts everybody, doesn't it? Because, you know, we love the whole family. Because you can't love somebody and hate their spouse or kids. If, if you say, if you want to be my friend, but you hate my wife, you're not, it's not, that friendship's not going to work. And, that's how it is too. If you got a couple here that gets divorced, or you know, and they start hating each other, it's going to be hard to continue being that friend because you love both of them. When those kids are getting hurt, okay, you hurt my kids, I'm going to have a tough time liking you. And truth is, divorce—it's hurting kids, and it's just—it it ruins everything. It makes it's it's hard on everybody because when you love somebody, you, you do you love the whole family. But America's poor example of what marriage is. It, it, it's helped bring that about. Oh, marriages don't work amongst heterosexual people too. So you know, ignore the statistics of how you know homosexuals stay together. And you know, it, the same things happen in church. You know, there, uh, you know, said so it's not much different amongst Christian people. Christian people they seem to get divorced as much as uh, lost people do. But we've got to understand that marriage 
And being a couple, it means a lifelong commitment. Until death do you part. After that, after that, you're free to go. And I tell people all the time, if, you, if the person that you are married to is as horrible as you say, okay, God is the one who commanded you not to get divorced. And if you really do, I mean, if you are absolutely right in what you're saying, you don't think God can't take them out? You don't think God can't let them go in a car wreck or die of carbon monoxide or something like that? Just trust God. God's never going to put you in a situation... You know, God's never going to tempt you to sin, and divorce is always a sin. And some it's like, well, no, I, I got to get away from him. He's that bad. Well, if he is, just pray and say, Lord, I'm going to be faithful to your word. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm not going to sin. And you know what? If you're right and your husband's that bad, Lord can take him out. And I've got no problem with people praying for that. If that's if that's true, you, I mean, they, you know, if the guy's cheating, if the guy's, you know. Doing all kinds, of, you know, treating you terrible. You don't think the Lord's not going to take him out? But most of the time, it's just stupid, petty little things. Just like everybody in the world, we're just incompatible, you know. And I'm not preaching a message too on on that. But you know what? No couple is exactly alike. You know what you do? You you, know, you learn, you adapt, you love through the differences. You just work through it. No, it's never going to be easy. But we, you know, Christians have been a poor example. But people, they do. They think that relationships. You can be a couple. Listen, you are not a couple if you are not if you're not committed. See, relationships without commitment is one of the problems that we're having. You know, two people shacking up. That's not a couple. That's a perversion of a couple. You see, the physical relationship was made for the man, or the husband, and the wife. That's who it was made for. And now, but we've got people who are not married that are involved in physical relationships, and people look at them as couples. They see them as couples. They have kids like couples. They fight like married people. They live together like married people, and people look at that and they're thinking that's acceptable. But listen, you have to have a commitment to be a real couple. Remember the woman at the well? She'd been married five times. Now, Jesus, He recognized those marriages, but she was shacking up with the guy. He's like, well, you know, you're with the guy now and he's not your husband. What was the difference? Well, those other ones had a commitment. Now, did they follow through on them? No. But this one, there was no commitment and that is not a marriage. That is not being a couple. Marriage is a commitment and the physical relationship was intended for those who had made the commitment. Hebrews thirteen four says, "Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God shall judge." That's just Bible right there. Hebrews thirteen verse four: People who are not committed to each other should not be having kids. Therefore, they should not be in a physical relationship. The world today says, you know, you got to try them out first before you get married. That is a lie. That is perversion. That is wicked. That is fornication. That is wrong. You are not a there should be no physical relationship outside of marriage. And I know that's foreign. Oh, you're crazy. Let me tell you something. It works. Okay, it, it works. And I wish I had time to give more examples on this stuff, but. Listen, you know, one of the reasons things are so bad today, and things are still pretty bad for women today, okay? They're not as bad as they used to be, but, you know, feminism 
sadly has brought women, I believe, to a lower place than they've ever been. Now, amongst Christian people, people who do it right, I believe women are treated better. But in the feminist world, you know, women are basically treated like a free harlot, pretty much. You know, back in the day, you know, they would at least pay them. But nowadays, you know, they're basically told go do whatever you want, you know, with whoever wants to, and they call it being strong and independent. Oh, you don't have to be married. You don't have to be committed. You know, women used to believe they had some value and they wouldn't let a guy touch them unless he was willing to commit his life to them and commit himself only to them. Women used to have that kind of self-worth. Women used to be respected. Women used to be taught that they were valuable, that there was value in their purity. Their dads taught them that. And so when some punk came along and he wanted to have his way with her, that girl knew, no, you are not getting me, bub, unless you are willing to commit to me and me only for the rest of your life. I am that valuable. But do women feel that way today? You know why? Because we've cheapened them. Treating them. I mean, worse than animals. And it's and a lot of that is it's promoted amongst the feminist crowd, telling them go do whatever you want to do and all and not and and then and they teach women they're treated bad because the government doesn't give them free things to help keep them from getting pregnant. I mean, what in the world? I mean, women are you know, feminists. They treat women worse than animals. I think, and it's sad. We need to get back to respecting women. And treating them like they have value. You know, women are told the very fruit of their womb is nothing more than tissue that they can have surgically removed. Despite the physical and emotional devastation it has on them. Despite the fact that it takes a life. Many times a life of a woman. And they promote this stuff. You know, the, the Planned Parenthood that's all about women's rights and the horrible things that they do to women. The way they treat them, it is it is wicked. How can you do that? I mean, my daughters, I love them so much. I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine training them the way the world and the way the public school is, the way they're teaching women, the things they're telling them. I love them too much. They're too valuable. They're too special. And we have, and and so I do. I protect them from that stuff. I keep. I try to, you know, shelter them from this, you know, feminist propaganda that they're putting out there. It cheapens women. It it makes them less than dogs. It makes them, it's disgusting, and we ought to stand against that stuff. And dads, you need to make sure your daughters realize how valuable they are. And you know, before we, so before feminism came along, women used to have that self-respect, you know, and but now, you know, they're being taught to. Live like an animal. Go shack up with guys. If he gets you pregnant, just kill it. You don't have to keep it. It's your choice. It's your right, and we're empowering you by that. Let me tell you that—that's just—that's wicked. And you know, and women who will do that, women who will go shack up with a guy, get herself pregnant, kill the baby. They don't have enough self. You know, they have no self-respect to. They don't have enough self-respect to say no to anything. And what a sad thing that is. I mean, your your daughters ought to realize how valuable they are when some guy comes along and propositions them. I mean, they ought to. I mean, it shouldn't even be a thought. Are you kidding me? Somebody as pathetic as you? Somebody who looks like you? I mean, you look like a punk. You don't even have a job. You're worthless. 
you dress like a girly boy, you're wearing skinny jeans, you're doing you know, whatever. I mean, just uh, no, absolutely not. I'm going to get a man. I'm going to get a real man because I am worth it. But the boy, that's not what's being taught today, but it's what I'm going to teach my girls. And one of these girly men, these millennial types, I saw two carloads full of them last Sunday when I was at the gas station. Just, I mean, two carloads. When they went driving off, I'm not kidding, watch through the windows, both vehicles, every single one of them, they all had their cell phones up. You know, just yeah, on their cell That's all they do. Just, I mean, pathetic. I, I could have beat every one of them up right there. I thought about doing it, but I went to jail for it. You know, one of those guys comes along and asks my daughter out for a date. I hope she laughs in their face. Are you kidding me? And I hope I can teach them to have enough self-respect that they'll do that. But you know what, girls these days, they're, they're doing it. They're saying yes to whatever. But you know what? I, I could preach a whole sermon on this, but you know, one of the things that has ruined, that's ruining couples also today, is somebody from outside the home being the provider. You know, one of the reasons people don't want to make commitments today. You know why there's so many young couples that are out there. Well, not even young. I mean, even in their 30s, and sometimes they've been living together, they've got kids together, but they still won't get married. You know why they're not getting married? Because married couples have a harder time getting welfare. And this is just the sad truth. But here's, you know, if my wife, I don't, I don't have time to go into all the math on this, okay? But if my wife, she's got, she works part time doing piano lessons. She doesn't make a lot of money, okay? But then, you know, we, but I'm married to her, and then when you put our incomes together, it's pretty good. So we're not going to qualify for a whole lot of welfare. Well, if we get divorced, we can still live together and enjoy life like married people. Well, with the small amount of money that she's making, you know, if we we can give her custody of all the kids, and then they're just going to go off her income for six kids, and me, I'm just my own thing, you know, doing whatever. You really, we would qualify for everything on our you know tax return. We would get the biggest. I wouldn't get hardly anything, but she would get all the credits and things, and financially things would be easier for us if we got divorced. And let me tell you something, that's messed up. That is not fair. That is wrong. That is wicked. That is our society. That is our government for you. And we ought to be disgusted by that. And you know what? It's sad. You know, it's tough sometimes to provide for your family. But you know what? We ought to teach our boys to have enough pride and self-respect that they're not going to do that. That they're going to, you know, I'm not going to let the government take care of my family. I'm going to do it. And, you know, but people, they don't want to get married because it'll hurt them financially. It'll hit them hard in the pocketbook. And you know what? That's ridiculous. It's wrong that our society does that. But you know what? Two wrongs don't make a right. We've still got to do the right thing, even though our government's messed up. Even though the KGB, I mean, the IRS is absolutely wicked and distorted. We cannot, we cannot fall for that. We cannot do that. We've got to do the right thing. And you know, the Bible says they that don't provide for his own, especially for those of his own house, he is denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And there's a lot of punks out there, you know, that are not going to get married, not going to be committed. Why? Because they don't want to have to do the extra work and pay the extra money. And that's sad. It's sad on their part. It's sad on our government's part. But we have got to set the example when it comes to marriage 
and and having a relationship. A couple. You are not a couple if you're just dating. Okay, you're not even a couple if you're just engaged. Okay, you are on the way to becoming a couple. But a couple are two people who've been joined together in marriage, who've been joined together physically. Anything outside, you can be joined together physically and not be married, but that's perversion of what being a couple is. You can have kids and you're not married. That's a perversion of what a family is. The real family are two people who are committed together. They are no more twain, but one flesh. My kids are all going to have the same last. I'm glad my kids all have the same last name. That's what that that's the way. It, that's the way it ought to be, because you know, legally that works. Because we're married. I think all my kids are with the same woman. All the kids are with my first wife. And you know, sometimes there's death and things. And if you've messed up on that before, let me tell you, God can God can forgive you. God can still use you. You can go on. You can be happy and have a great life. But listen, don't do it again. Don't do it again. Get get it right this time. Get it right this time. You've been married before. You got married again. Hey, that's fine. It's under the blood, but you know what? Stay married to this one. Don't do it again. That is so important, and we've got to set the example on that. So with that, let's all stand together.